0: So we are in a series on Mark and we've been reading some passages this morning already thanks to Jackson and Henley um, for reading. So we've got a a lot of text to cover today and so I'm going to add to that this morning. So we're going to read here uh, continuing the story in Mark 1 starting in verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. You know, one of the strangest things about Mark's gospel, different from the other gospel writers, is the way Jesus keeps telling people, demons, anyone who will listen, to not say who he is or what he is doing. It's quite perplexing, actually. I mean, Jesus came, as it states clearly, the beginning of the gospel, to proclaim the good news of the reign of God. So if he's here to proclaim... To announce, to broadcast, why does he keep telling? Why does he keep trying to keep the mouths shut that want to say who he is? Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And with a warning see that you don't tell this to anyone. It's so weird, right? Okay, so let's recall what's happening. All right. So Jesus comes on the scene, calls a handful of disciples to follow him, and then he heads to Capernaum to begin his teaching and preaching. And Mark records the people were amazed at his teaching. You know, more than the other gospel writers, Mark emphasizes that the people around Jesus are amazed at his teaching. You'll see this in multiple stories, but I love this story uh, because Mark adds this little line. He says that they were amazed because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. It feels like an unnecessary jab at the religious leaders, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like I've asked my kids, you know, how was school? And they say, I really like this one teacher. He said, Well, why do you like this one teacher? Well, because I actually learn in that class. Have you ever heard that one before? It's like That seems like an unnecessary jab with the rest of your teachers, right? This is, it's, it's kind of a dig here. And it seems unnecessary. But I do wonder what Jesus was saying and doing during those occasions in the synagogues that made people attribute more authority to his teaching. But we don't have time to figure that out. Because next thing you know, a man with an unclean spirit shows up and starts calling out Jesus. Or more exact, he calls out who Jesus is, the Holy One of God. And Jesus orders for the Spirit to come out of him, which he does. But that's not the first thing he says, is it, if you recall? Don't you find it odd that Jesus tells the Spirit to be quiet? before freeing the man of the Spirit? Seems backwards to me. I mean, Jesus must really be concerned that this Spirit does not give away his identity. And then, even though the people aren't exactly sure who this Jesus guy is, they are amazed at his teaching, his authority, his power. And news about him spreads. And then what Henley read. We get this story of the, uh, the post-church lunch, right, at Simon and Peter's, you know. And I know Jesus has to be hungry at this point. I know what it's like after you preach a sermon. You need some good chips and salsa pronto, all right? And, and I'm that hungry, and I haven't exercised any impure spirits. So here he is, shows up, and he arrives, but immediately there's a pressing need, the disciples want him to attend to it, and Jesus goes and finds Peter's uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She has a fever, and he heals her. And then he finally gets to eat. But then we see that it's time for the evening service now, and the problem is that word has gotten out about exorcisms and healings. So here come the masses, and Jesus heals. And he cares for, and he ministers, and he even drives out some demons. But Mark points out he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Hmm. And now the story that I just read. Okay, so we have this man uh, approach Jesus, he's asking for a little help. And how does Jesus react? Well, so this is where it gets a little tricky for us. Did you notice that the weird reaction that Jesus has in the text I read it says he was indignant. Huh? Now uh, here 's the thing. your translation, if you 're not reading from the NIV, might have a different uh, word there. It might say that Jesus had compassion. Wait, <laughs> Wait, is he indignant or do he have compassion? Those are complete opposites. Well, NIV goes with indignant, but that 's because The manuscripts that we have from Mark, they actually disagree. Some have the word for indignant or angry, and some have compassion. And most translations go with compassion, because that feels a little better, right? A little easier to digest. It's hard to know what to do with if the text, if it says Jesus was indignant. Seems difficult to understand. Well, I don't know how to resolve this. I tend to go with indignant because that's the harder reading the more challenging reading and I'm honorary like that so I like to go with that and try to make sense of it and I think it has to do with the fact that up above Jesus says we had to go somewhere else because I came here to preach the good news Jesus wants to restore people but Jesus came to proclaim the good news and Jesus is going okay I am willing." Be clean, but I'm here to proclaim the good news of the reign of God. Well, on the one hand, uh, Jesus' initial reaction, it might shape our interpretation of this story somewhat, but at the end of the day, Mark does tell us that Jesus is willing, and he responds by making him clean. But here's the part that grabs my attention. This man, who most likely has been suffering from a skin disease for quite some time, he does not ask Jesus to heal him. He asks Jesus to make him clean. Why ask to be clean? Well, it's because the law is very clear on what happens when someone has a skin disease like this. Seriously, like, if you want some fun reading this week, go read Leviticus 13 and 14, okay? It's 116 verses about leprosy and other skin diseases. Some good devotional reading for you. Um, But it makes it clear that someone in this condition, they are deemed unclean. This person is to be put outside. He can't participate in the life of the community. He is no longer welcome. So at the heart of this guy's request is to no longer be an outcast, to no longer feel unwanted, to no longer be untouchable. And Jesus touches him. Mark almost passes over this this detail, but it's startling, actually. I mean, this guy is unclean. He is cast out. He is cast out because uncleanliness is contagious. And in this world, it seems like uncleanliness overpowers cleanliness. And impurity is stronger than purity. Separation is more important than hospitality. But here is Jesus reversing all that. And so it is no surprise that this man goes to tell the whole world About this guy whose holiness is contagious, whose touch heals, whose welcome makes people whole. And so he goes running his mouth. Despite Jesus saying to him, see that you don't tell this to anyone. There it is again. Don't tell. Be quiet. Don't speak of who I am. So Jesus doesn't want his identity to be be known. And Mark is making this very clear. He does not want us to miss this. So look at how he ends this section of Jesus' ministry. Chapter 1 into chapter 3, this whole section. We have this paragraph, this this transition paragraph, in chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. It's basically a summative statement of Jesus' ministry so far. And it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him. <clears throat> excuse me, came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan. And around Tyre and Sidon, because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him weird huh i mean jesus is willing to heal in exercise in exercise word is out that something is going on with him and people want to find him yet he does not want the people to know his identity he came to proclaim good news and yet he doesn't want anyone to say who he is why does he do this Well, I wonder if we can begin to understand and make sense of this if we look at the short story that falls right in the middle of our three stories for today. Verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So I find stories like this in the Gospels, where Jesus retreats to pray, I find them fascinating. First of all, it feels like a little bit of vindication for us introverts in church, right? Can I get an amen? Um, it's easy to imagine Jesus, right? Jesus here, he's running around all the time, he's being available for people, whoever needs something, whenever they need it. But here's the Son of God, the Messiah the Savior of the world, he's sneaking away for some downtime, right? Got to get away, got to put the AirPods in, do a little doom scrolling, you know, whatever it is. Okay, that's not exactly right. But it is fascinating that Jesus, in the face of so much need, in the face of so much pain and suffering, can still step away from it all and pray. And I don't think this is prayer like we often envision it this isn't intercessory prayer i mean jesus has the power to heal and exercise we've seen that he doesn't have to ask i don't think he's off praying for those in need now i think this is the kind of prayer that's more about listening it's more about resting More about being with God, the Father. This is the kind of prayer that is like, as one author puts it, wasting time with the one you love. It's not fulfilling a duty or making sure you get in your quiet time. No, this is prayer that comes from knowing God and knowing that God longs for you to put everything aside and just be. Just be with the one you love, the one who loves you. And I wonder if Mark and the other gospel writers make note of Jesus' retreats to pray because they want us to know that if Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, desires time to be with God, Maybe it's something our hearts desire as well. In fact, maybe it's the only thing our hearts really desire. And now, of course, this time of solitude and prayer, it doesn't last as long as Jesus wants. The apostles come hollering because everyone is looking for him. The people want more of him, more from him. Now remember, Jesus has come on the scene and he he teaches with authority and the people are amazed. Impure spirits and demons fear him and flee at the sound of his voice. The sick and hurting are healed. Outcasts are brought back into the fold. Of course they want more of him. I mean, look at all the amazing things he can do. Look at his authority. Look at his power. And so he tries to retreat and pray, but everyone wants to be near him. Everyone wants to be near the one with the power. Now compare this scene to the scene when Jesus will retreat to pray for the very last time. We're in Gethsemane. Hours before Jesus' crucifixion, And he goes to a solitary place to pray. And for a time, there are three apostles near him. But this time, they don't come running because the masses are searching for him. No, this time, they sleep. And then when the authorities come looking for him, when they come to arrest him, come to lead him off to the cross, Mark says in 1450, Then everyone deserted him and fled. Everyone wants Jesus when he shows authority, but no one is near him when he gives himself up to the authorities. Everyone seeks after Jesus when he's the one with the power, but no one is looking for him when the powers that be take him away. Everyone wants to follow Jesus when they think he might be the one who will lead them to victory. But no one is around when it looks like death will defeat him. And this is why Mark keeps emphasizing in these first few chapters that Jesus wants to keep everyone quiet about his identity. He knows That if people come to think he is the Messiah, the King, because of his great authority, his awesome power, his ability to astonish and amaze the masses, then they won't comprehend that he is the Messiah when he gets led to a cross. They'll want him to be the Messiah when he comes in power. They'll move on to the next guy when he lays that power down through self-sacrificial love. Jesus announces that the kingdom of God is at hand. But he's not ready for the people to know he will be the one seated on the throne in that kingdom because the people are not ready for a king whose throne is a cross. So as I told people that I was going to be taking this job as your preaching minister, I heard an interesting response from a few of them, especially my friends who have experience in ministry. The the response was something like this. Are you crazy? (laughs) Especially, are you you crazy for doing this? Starting a preaching ministry during an election year. How are you going to handle that? Good luck. Well, now that you mention it, no. (laughs) No. Yeah, maybe I am crazy. But it's an election year, if you haven't noticed. And as I begin my ministry here as your preacher, I want to state clearly, I'm not going to be talking about elections and partisan politics. I'm not going to tell you to vote or who to vote for. Okay? But Here's what I'm going to tell you. Over the coming months, You're going to hear lots of voices telling you who you should follow, who you should seek after, who you should trust in. And it's going to be very tempting to join the masses in looking to someone who can rally the crowd, who seems to have the authority to get the right things done, who has the power to make things go well for you. But I want you to listen to the voice of the one who announces that the reign of God is here, the voice of the one on the throne, the voice of a ruler whose reign is defined by laying down his authority, by giving up his power, by retreating from the spotlight to spend time with God, when, whether everyone is looking for him or everyone has deserted him be quiet don't say anything don't tell others that this is the king unless you are talking about the one who is headed to a cross